0: It's time for sports rap on 760 WJR.
1: All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To
0: a car phone we go. Dave,
1: thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's
0: cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are
1: you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight with are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And I will. Uh, hey, I, hey, Dan, Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion.
0: Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick.
2: So when I hear these players say that they are growing the game, it makes me, it makes me want to puke. They're destroying the game.
3: And they're destroying their reputations. This is one of the saddest days in the history of golf. Watching these players come together for money and show to
1: the
2: world. None of them have separated themselves when they teed off today. All they're showing is that they're the greediest, most self-serving, self-interested, willfully blind players in the world of golf today. Look, we've been on, on this story for you for months. For months preparing you for what was happening on the golf landscape. That's Brandel Chumley. He's a former PGA player. That was his comments to Sky Sports about the players who have jumped ship from the PGA and moved themselves over to the live tour. And look, I think up until this point, I've tried to set the table for you. I've tried to give you the information as it was coming available about what this thing is. I told you months ago that this was coming and, and this was going to shake golf up. I've been on this pretty early. And and now that we've set the table, now that we've got a tournament under our belts, I kind of want to cut this thing loose a little bit because we've got a jam packed show today. We're going to talk tigers, uh, we got Jason Beck coming up at 618, Mike O'Hara with DetroitLions.com. We're going to talk about OTAs. But, But what I think we're seeing in golf, and no, golf is not one of the four major sports. Golf will never be really in the mainstream like baseball or football is. But what we are seeing here is something that we haven't seen. I don't know, Jason. Since since the old USFL, since since I mean what what other what other comparisons are there? I don't think there is. Because what we are seeing is a is a a, a rival league to one of our pro sports leagues that has hmm. bottomless amounts of money. You, you know, Jason, the rock ain't come to the table with bottomless pockets for the XFL. No. And, and what, what Brandel also said in that interview from that cut we played is you're you're
0: watching something that's just sports viewing. It's not. Um, he's basically saying it's not. It doesn't mean anything. You know, like I don't know if somebody's watching the USFL today.
2: I had it on in studio, and it really, you know, with God like bless you, uh, fifty people God in the crowd, you. maybe <laughs> maybe being being nice there, but uh, you know, I, he's saying it's like yeah, you're just it's just casual sports viewing. When you're this watching. is yeah yeah and, and th- it's a great point and, and for me what this is doing and and jay monahan talked to jim nance today at the canadian open and said basically um these are rejects these are guys that haven't won tournaments uh, let's pump the brakes on on guys like dustin johnson on phil Mickelson. but guys phil Mickelson has been an afterthought until he won that major a couple of years ago, won the U.S. Open. Phil was an afterthought. Phil wasn't winning tournaments. Phil was gearing up to play on the champ, which is a fine tour. But, but Phil Phil wasn't, you know, the guy that was rivaling Tiger in the early 2000s. Come on. Phil's a bum. That's what Jay Monahan said today to Jim Nance in that broadcast. Phil's a bum. You know who else is a bum? Guys like Charles Swartzel, who has two career PGA wins. Two. He won the Masters in 2011, and then that was pretty much it. Ah, but Charles Swartzel is able to go over and win the LIV. Pick up a $4 million purse, and then whatever he signed on his multi-year deal. I I don't know if you watched any of that. I did. I I watched it. I didn't watch wall-to-wall, but I tuned in. And I, I got to be honest with you, that as a, as a golf fan, and whether or not you're a fan of golf or not is almost irrelevant. This is now, in my opinion, and we're going to talk to the spin on golf guys coming up uh, uh, at, uh, what, what, right around 648-2. To me, it was a caricature of golf. It wasn't golf. It was a caricature of golf. They don't even miss a cut. Everybody makes it. They don't even play four days. They play three. And I'll tell you what, quite frankly, the the person who's been the most upfront about all of this is Dustin Johnson. I can at least stomach the fact that that Dustin Johnson says, look, I want to play less golf and I want to make more money. End of story. I don't want to play golf forever. I'm really good at it. And I want to make the most as a, a, a you know, sh- the shortest amount of time frame as I can. And then I want to play less golf because I want to do other things. If that's your mindset, fine. But for guys like Phil Mickelson to go out there, take Saudi Arabian money blatantly from a country that hates gay people, that hates women, that, that, basically all but confirm the death of, of a journalist, uh, the, the, the outright murder of a journalist, the hit on a journalist, and then for them to get out there on their pulpit and say, wow, there's a lot of great things that's going to come from this tour. We're evolving the game of golf. It's evolving now. I've seen what, what great things golf has done around the world, and we're going to be able to maximize it now. Give me a break, Phil. You're a degenerate gambler. Who, by the way, if you if you struggle with gambling, please uh, find help. Don't be like Phil Mickelson. But but F- Phil has lost everything. Phil ended up bad mouthing Live, then bad mouthing the PGA, and then had to swallow all of his pride out there with no uh uh uh, uh any sort of billboards on his hat or on his shirt because he lost all of his sponsors. He has to go out there and try to swallow that and feed the press that. And I just wasn't buying it. And and, and I got to be honest, this whole team aspect to live golf, I, I, we're not going to break it all down. But basically, they compete against each other, but then they also have a four-man team that they are able to win points based on your standings. And and for me, I think that is, I, I have zero interest in that, zero. And again, for me, that was watered down Kool-Aid. You want to see the best players play, you watch the PGA. Now, I'm not saying that more players aren't going to hop on board. I'm not saying the more people see Phil Mickelson getting a $200 million deal and saying, geez, that sounds appetizing. I'm not saying that's the case because I'm sure there are more players coming. Bryson's going and Patrick Reed's going. But you know what this really hurts? This really hurts tours and, or, or tournaments like the Rocket Mortgage. Guys like Phil last year ain't coming back. Guys like Dustin Johnson who played the inaugural ain't coming back. Patrick Reed, who was a mainstay, ain't coming back. Bryson, who sported that Rocket Mortgage patch on his shirt week in and week out, he ain't coming back because they dropped him. It's going to hurt our tournament in our backyard. And that's a bummer. That stinks. But more and more guys are going to go. And you know who I'm not mad at, honestly? I am mad at James Pyatt. I am mad at James Pyatt. James Pyatt won the USAM, just graduated from Michigan State, and he went and collected $166,000 this week. That kid is trying to make a name for himself in golf. I don't have a problem with that. But for Dustin Johnson to say, oh, or Phil Mickelson, oh, I I think this is great. We're going to do such great things in golf. Save it. Save it. Either tell me it's about the money or I don't want to hear from you. I think it's a watered down product, and I think people, I don't think people are going to tune in. But there's bottomless money bags. There's no doubt about it. You want to weigh in 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Tiger Talk with my boy Jason Beck coming up next right here on Sports SportsRap. Don't go anywhere.
0: Now back to more Sports rap. presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick.
2: All right, welcome back. Tigers lose today to the Toronto Blue Jays six to nothing. They take one out of that series as they uh, now face a seven game homestand. Chicago uh, next on the docket. Uh, Jason Beck, our man on the ground at Comerica Park uh, for MLB.com, joins us this evening. Uh, Jace, nice to talk with you. Uh, Derek Skubel, who has been the bright spot of this team through this point of the season got roughed up a little bit today tigers lose at six to nothing
1: yeah that was a rough go um you kind of saw that that fourth inning did it for him and uh this was an aggressive lineup and they attacked him early in the counts knowing that uh, they didn't want to let him get ahead and kind of work his variety of pitches and uh, his slider was not as effective as it normally is i think he averaged like a you know, a hundred miles an hour of exit velocity on it. And, you know, with like four balls put in play and, you know, he, he fell to a very talented lineup and the way the Tigers offense is going, you know, they have to lean on stingy outings to, uh, to really have a shot on a lot of days.
2: Yeah. And, and look, uh, you're right. This Blue Jays lineup is, is a strong one, pretty much from front to back led by, by, by Vlad Guerrero jr. Uh, who had a nice day, but but this team slowly offensively has has at least tried to find something. They haven't been great over the last couple of days, but but they've they've at least tried to put something together. Um, do you see that there is a marketable improvement? Because a couple of weeks ago we talked about it on the show, um, and, and I don't remember what what series it was. I think it was against Minnesota where. 10 of the, or excuse me, seven of the 10 batters that took cuts that day were below 200. Uh, that number has climbed up. So what are you seeing offensively that maybe has changed from a week and a half, two weeks ago?
1: Well, in spurts, you see more discipline. You know, I think we all wrote a, you know, marvel that the Javi you know, Baez walking three times unintentionally yesterday. First time he'd done that in his career. And, uh, you know, I think you're seeing other guys becoming a little bit more disciplined there starting to focus on staying in the zone. Now, some guys have done that for for the better part of the season. You know, surprisingly, Torkelson has been, has been among them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fairness, you did see some hard hit balls today go for out. I think uh, I checked at one point and there were at least three balls the Tigers hit that went for exit below at like 106 and above. Mm-hmm. that went for outs, including the double play the Torque hit into. Um so, you know, you see moments there, you, you you see I guess green shoots or whatever you want to call them. Um but, you know, it they have to sustain those. And I can you know, it certainly can be aggravating when you see the Tigers, you know, handle a a, a pitcher like Kevin Galsman you know, having the season that he's had and then struggle against a Ross Stripling. Um Guys who, you know, don't necessarily overpower you, but they can mix their pitches and, you know, throw over, you know, breaking stuff and off speed and and fastball counts. So, Mm you know, you see, you know, you see the potential there, but, you know, until you start seeing more results, you know, you
2: remain guarded. Uh, Jason Beck over at MLB.com joining us this evening on Sports Wrap. And and we got word this week that Casey Mize was done for the year. Uh, he's going to get Tommy Johnson. He wasn't very good early on, and then he was banged up. Um, what do you feel like his long-term prognosis is with this team? Because we're not going to see him the rest of this year. I would be surprised if we see him next year. I don't think we will. So you're looking at, like, 2024 – before Casey Mize is back on the mound with this team. How do you think he fits in with this team, with this organization? Is, is he a piece that after Tommy Johns is somehow fits into this puzzle going forward?
1: Uh, yeah. It, well, first of all, I, I do think there's still a chance to, um, you know, for, for him to come back, you know, maybe near the end of next season. Um, you know, just because, You know, the way he tends to approach his workouts, he's very meticulous. You know, he goes about things to the letter. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if instead of like 15 to 16 months, he's more like 13 to 14 months in a comeback. Now, I haven't heard that. That's just, just going off of track records. But, you know, between his approach to workouts and his age, you know, we, we saw Alex Fiedel and Joey Wentz both return in about 13, 14 months. So, you know, given those, you know, the combination of those factors, you know, it wouldn't be a shock to, to see him maybe get a few starts near the end of next season. Uh, where he fits in, well, you know, the Tigers have to plan without him here for, you know, at least the medium term. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting because, you know, all of this time that that is spent on rehab counts as major league service time. So, you know, when he comes back or you know, when he gets ready for twenty twenty four, um, you know, he'll either have not pitched in a year and a half or he'll have had just, you know, a few starts most likely. And you know, he'll be going into the starting his arbitration seasons and you'll be looking at you know, I, I believe you'll have uh You're going to have like uh, about four more seasons of control because I think he'll be uh, super two, so it's you know or 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 three, so it'll there'll be limited time to really kind of make some decisions on him before you get to the point where you have to make decisions on uh, his long term fit.
2: What has been uh, uh, your I don't know. What what has been your 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 thought on a couple of these young guys? You talked about Spencer Torkelson. Um Riley Green is a guy who got hurt late in spring training and and wasn't able to make it up to start the season uh, because of that fracture in his foot. He's starting to make uh, his comeback a little bit. What has been uh, your read from from inside the organization? How are they handling Riley Green? When when can we expect him back? And then and then what is his fit? than going forward. Well, yeah, you get the sense that he's close,
1: you know, that, and I think everybody's saying that, you know, the more you watch me, you know, he had two hits today. Uh, you know, green had a, an opposite field double off the, uh, left field wall down. in she, was, was, turned out taking third. He's running well. He's running to a point where, you know, it, it's hard to believe the foot is any limitation. Uh, his swing is coming together. Um, you know, he's going the opposite field with some pitches. You know, is he crushing balls for home runs? Yeah, he's got the one. He's got a couple doubles. Um, you know, I, I think right now it's it's an interesting point now because, you know, A Toledo goes on the road this week while the Tigers are at home all this coming week. So, you know, if he doesn't come up now, then you can reasonably think that it might be another week or so. You know, he could... You know, the Tigers would be on the road in uh, in Worcester, Massachusetts, so you know, he, he could end up meeting the team in Boston when they go there to start the next road trip. You know, you start looking at these timetables. Um, you know, I, I would expect it's going to be, you know, sometime here fairly soon, uh, you know, how to do it. You know, the, the exact timing, the right timing, you know, we're, we're going to have to see. Um, you know, it, it was interesting that they didn't Bring him back when Daz Cameron went on the the uh, COVID IL because I did open up a 40-man roster spot that they could have used to, to slot him in, albeit temporarily, and then then they would have had to, you know, figure out another 40-man move once Daz uh, came back off the COVID IL. But it, 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 there was a little bit of a window there that they didn't use, uh, which you know makes you think that there might be you know, just another last touch or two that they want to see here before making the move. As far as Torque, they're, they're exercising a lot of patience. Um, it's The fact that he hasn't strayed away from his game and hasn't started chasing a lot of bad pitches, I, I think that gets the Tigers encouragement. That coupled with the fact that his defense honestly is making the rest of this infield better. Um, You know, there are a lot of throws that Javi Baez has made and some others that other guys have made that could have been in the dirt and skipped past other first basemen, but Torque has really made an impression in the field here with how he's been able to to make scoops and stretch for throws to make plays, and that makes a difference here.
2: Uh, I got about a minute left here, and and look, I think that we had a lot of high expectations for Torkelson coming into the season. Those expectations now, I think, need to be altered because this team has dug themselves into, into quite a hole. So when Riley Green eventually comes up, because he will be coming up, what is the expectation? Is the expectation to try to ease him into the game, or is the expectation that, that maybe fans should be looking for this guy to provide some sort of spark?
1: Well, I, I think the idea that
2: any young hitter is going to spark this offense is just a really
1: bad way to go, because you know no one player, no matter what experience level, is going to fix this lineup. Um, it would it would mainly be about getting experience. Yeah, you know, I I yeah. remember like a month or so ago when people thought Cody Clemens could provide this mm-hmm. team a spark, and you know we, we see what's resulting. I don't think that pressure is fair to any young hitter, even one. Yeah. As talented as Riley Green or Spencer Torkelson. And,
2: and real quick, what's the what's the the vibe in the locker room? Have they have are they down on themselves? Are they trying to dig themselves up? With, what's the vibe? You see it come and go. I, I don't sense
1: a lot of the guys, you know, turning sour or turning bitter. And I think, you know, this team goes in some ways in the way that Miggy's enthusiasm goes, and, and Miggy mm-hmm. sounded surprisingly upbeat today you know he's always a bottom line guy he wants to win but he still expressed some optimism that this team can turn around but he acknowledged that they've got to do better that this isn't good enough
2: uh best in the game jason back thanks for the time man always appreciate you
1: sounds good thanks for having me on all
2: right there he is jason back uh the tigers beat writer for mlb.com he's the man make sure you check out his stuff um, all right, coming up next, OTAs uh, or a uh, vol, excuse me, uh, we've got Lions action. Uh, and and this is a, a pretty critical season for this team going forward. And I think there's a lot of optimism, especially coming out of the draft. We'll talk to our friend Mike O'Hara over at DetroitLions.com next on Sports.
0: Now, back up more sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Redwick.
2: All right, I need to issue a retraction. I think I said they were in OTAs. Technically, they weren't. Uh, OTAs ran from June 3rd, or excuse me, June 1st to 3rd. This last uh, few days, June 7th through 9th, they were in mandatory minicamp. Then they're back in OTAs the 13th through the 16th. So, excuse me. I had to issue that retraction. Uh, Mike O'Hare is here for me. He'll 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 uh, cover the bases. Uh, Michael, I'm sorry for that. Um, big news though. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, the organization announced that that Jameson Williams was not going to be ready, uh, and and that's not a surprise. D- uh, figuring that tore ACL in January, it, there was no way that he was going to be ready for training camp, um, and. and uh, I'm glad it seems that the organization is really taking a much more methodical, a a very cautious approach to when they can get him back in somewhat uh, even practice form, because you don't want to set this guy back any further. Do we have Mike? I'm right here. Oh, Hey Mike. Uh, Hello. what did you make of the the? Oh, sorry, I'm. That was I was that was my cue to you. What what did you what did you make of the 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 uh, the the news the organization sent out about Jameson Williams?
4: I I wasn't surprised. Well, a couple of things. Number one, uh, the head coach Dan Campbell announced it at his Wednesday or Thursday morning presser. He had three of them, and and that's one of the things I appreciate about Campbell. He doesn't try to hide things. Now he doesn't have to tell you all the secrets of things they're going to do and all that. But when there's something to announce, like a signing or, a, or like that injury issue, he comes right out with it. And he, and he explained it one time to the other writers at he was he's at the podium. He says, I might as well tell you, you're going to find out anyway. And so he mm-hmm. gets it out there and, and, and I'm not surprised at all. I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I was never, I never thought they were going to do otherwise. Now, whether he ends up on the, you know, physically unable to perform list or injured reserve or, or whatever those other lists are, I don't know, but I don't think there's any, any doubt that they won't put him on the field until he's fully healthy to to, to play and defend himself on the field.
2: What, what do you think a realistic time frame for him is? Because I, I look at it and think, geez, uh, you know, I, I, this team, this roster is still very much incomplete. There are still holes that need to be filled. This team isn't, at least in my mind, as we sit here on, on June 12th. I just don't think that they're really in a place to contend um, yet. But with that being said, um, you know, if I don't see this guy till Thanksgiving, I don't have much
4: of an issue with it. No, whenever he plays, he plays. But I'll just, I'll back up on one thing. I think they're ready to contend offensively. I think the issue is defense. And and, yeah. and it, that, that's still, a, that's still a, a, a mammoth process, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, building process. They've still got a lot of work to do. But I think the offense is ready to go. And I think it's like, you uh, Gerard, uh, Jared, or Davis said, uh, Jared Davis, Jared. Goff, I was thinking of the, the, the linebacker, it's like Jared <laughs> Goff said the other day when he, in his media session, he says, we're loaded up front, I meaning the mm-hmm. offensive line, they've got speed at wide receiver, they got a pro bowl tight end, and, and a running back, and who uh, uh, can really make plays, both you know, out of the backfield, uh, running the ball, and out of the backfield as a receiver, so that'd be DeAndre Swift, and, you know, mm-hmm. some backups, you know, Jamal Williams guys like that but defensively it's it's another issue I like the some of the moves they're making but it's going to be a while I think until they you know until they come together
2: well let's stick with Jared Goff for a second because it sounds like he, he's really developing a nice relationship with some of these receivers obviously we saw what Amon Ross St. Brown was was able to become towards the end of the season a really reliable pass catcher uh, a, a, a tough hard-nosed receiver who's able to 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 get his nose dirty out in the blocking game on the perimeter um and and really became a a really important piece to that offense down the stretch when they were able to finally win some games um but with the addition of dj shark kalief raymond seems to be coming along nicely uh quintus cephas has made some plays uh over the last couple of, of of days as well what what is that relationship you were seeing uh that jared goff was developing with some of his pass catchers
4: well, I don't think there's been any doubt about, about Jared Goff's professionalism as a player. And I think that was clear in in Los Angeles where, I, you know, really the way they treated him there at the end, trading him, not even telling him. He heard about it on, I think it was either on Twitter or on TV, something like that. But I don't think there's ever been any doubt about that, about, you know, look, when you see him out there at, pr- at practice, he's out there throwing routes as long as the guys want to be out there. You never saying, hey, guys, I've got enough. Nope. Those guys want to run extra routes, they'll run extra routes and he'll throw to them so i i think th- i think that he's got a chance to to, to really improve himself uh, he's a very very accurate thrower not the most mobile quarterback in, in in the national football league but look a lot of teams have won and won big without mobile quarterbacks but you have, to have mm-hmm. you know a certain amount around and i guess i'm talking about you know uh, tom brady when i say that look he's not mm-hmm. tom brady i'm not saying that that he can do what brady does because no one else has ever done it either but i think i think Goff can can really make a move this year in 2022 to end any doubt about whether he's the quarterback for the next three four or five years now not saying he's going to do that but i think the opportunity is there for him to do that
2: uh obviously there will be a lot of eyes on on aiden hutchinson um yep and and, and not only with uh he, he's a local guy through and through born here plymouth raised uh divine child michigan the whole deal um no, and and, re- and re- reports this kid. I mean, he's he's doing exactly what he was doing at Michigan. High motor, uh, really talented. They sound like they like him.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 he he's you know he's look he's he's been in the public eye for a long time. You know at Michigan and now at, at with the Detroit Lions and look whoever's drafted second overall doesn't matter who it is. There's a lot of pressure on him, but I think there's more scrutiny on on Hutchinson because you know there's local connections and. You know, and, and and what happened going into the draft when everybody thought he was going to go to Jacksonville with the first pick, and no, he doesn't. He ends up going second to the Detroit Lions, and who they couldn't get to the podium fast enough to put <laughs> their card in to get him. But you know, just watching him work, yeah, he's he's a hard worker. But it, it, look, this time of year, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, you don't see many guys in in pro football who don't work. It, really, that's that's the norm. It's not the exception. Now, when you get into the season, things are a little bit different because you're mm-hmm. game planning and, and all that. But, you know, he looked good to me. He looked mobile. He looked agile. He looked uh, like a guy who couldn't wait to get to the quarterback. And, you know, the second week in, in uh, September when the regular season starts, he can he can do just that. But, no, I think they've got a, a good prospect. Now, whether he's the next J.J. Watt and all that luck, just sure. let him be the next Aiden Hutchinson, and we'll see where he goes from there.
2: No, I, and and again, I think that's incredibly fair, and I think again, for the benefit of the team, I think that's the mindset, especially fans need to have because kids a good football player. The NFL is a different monster, but you got to let it play out and and let this kid kind of figure it out. And and I and again, football IQ, motor wise, uh, it's all there. So th- th- he is certainly set up for success. In the meantime. Sure. I, I wanted to just ask you one quick question because I got about a minute left here, but, but the lions released another, uh, what was it inside the den about their draft process right? and, and, and what, what it was like in the war room. And I gotta be honest, I, as good as I felt about their draft a couple of months ago, boy, did I feel better about it after watching that? And look, it you grabbed your popcorn. It's like almost an hour long, but But the way that they spoke about the players that they drafted and the way that and I talked about it then the way that Brad Holmes manipulated the draft via trade with his capital, whatever it was, and then got the guys that they wanted to even further down the draft. I think that there is a lot to be excited about. What did you glean from that 50 some minute video?
4: Well, I, first of all, it's a great video, and those, those guys who put that stuff together—you know—and uh, I work with them a little bit. Some of that stuff that they that they do, and I'm not just saying this—that you could take and hand at the HBO, and they could run it without editing it. Yes. That's how professional it is. That's how that's how good it is. But I think that uh, look, a lot of guys uh, want to be general managers. They get the job, and they're not quite ready for it. I think Brad Holmes has been proven—he's more than ready for it. He's more than qualified, and he's putting into place with you know he's got guys around him. As he should, you know. Then he then he listens and then he acts, and I think I think it's good kind of you know just just one thing, you know, like when you trade, up, it, it, you know, as far as they did in the first round of the twelfth pick, all of a sudden you think, oh my God, it's going to cost us a, def- a couple of draft picks. Well, he made enough moves to get all those draft picks back, and mm-hmm. you know, are they all going to make it when you get down in the sixth, seventh round? Yep, some will, some won't. But he, he went he went into the draft with eight picks, he came out with eight picks and with with eight players, so. I think I think that says a lot for how he operated. It goes to show you how prepared he was and to shift gears immediately and get Hutchinson when his name was on the board at number two.
2: And you're right. Not all these guys are going to pan out. But I, I will say I at least feel, I I don't know, I feel really good for the first time in a really long time that there's somebody in that seat that is – that is doing the due diligence and at least putting the team in a position to succeed in that moment. Um, and you got to feel really good about that. Mike O'Hara, always good stuff. I hope you're well. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes with us tonight. Thank you.
4: Okay. Great. Thanks for having me.
2: Yep. You got it. There he is. The man, the myth, the legend, Mike O'Hara from Detroit Lions.com. You got to check their stuff out because there's a lot of really good information. We just don't have all the time in the world, but really good stuff on Panay Sewell. Uh, really good stuff on Aiden Hutchinson, Jared Goff. We touched on a little bit. Kirby Joseph, uh, the, uh, the the rookie uh, who's making plays from that safety spot out of Illinois. Uh, go check it out because it's some pretty comprehensive stuff. DetroitLions.com. All right. Coming up next, uh, we'll talk to our fine friends out at Detroit Golf Club. The Spit on Golf Show coming up at 7.05. We'll talk a little live next.
0: Now back to more sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Redwick.
2: All right, okay. Thankfully, thankfully, I've cooled down since the start of the show. It was a little hot to start the show. uh, Because we, we were talking about live golf. And and uh, Sean Belige and Mike Fay out at Detroit Golf Club. Spin on golf coming your way next at 705. I, I'm glad I, I, I cooled down a little bit because now I'm talking to a, a real golf golf uh, aficionado. So I want to come right with you, Michael. Did you watch any of the live tournament? A little bit, yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. You watched a little bit of it. Uh, I'm not in. T- I'm not in the business of, of disparaging the broadcast on, on YouTube because I feel like, you know it's our first broadcast cut him a break i didn't think it was very good but whatever um i felt like that was a caricature of golf i felt like and and maybe it's because i'm so used to watching a pga tournament that it it didn't feel like a pga tournament first of all uh that's cuz it's not i, I mean obviously Um, the the field stinks. Let's start there. Um, but it felt like a caricature of golf. And, and for somebody who loves golf and loves watching golf, I know I can hear the eyes rolling all across Metro Detroit, but it just didn't feel right. It felt, it felt, it just felt like golf watered down. What, what were your first impressions?
5: Things are changing, you know, like uh, Steve Stricker talked about it, right? It felt like a little like a member guest, but also we're used to things, right? We're used to having it one way. Do you remember who took over golf and and, and we had a hard time <laughs> with it? What was it? Which network took over golf for the Fox, right? Fox. Yeah. Remember? Like they yep. took it over. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't. Yeah. This isn't like I'm used to seeing it, right? So I think, you know, from a broadcast perspective, I think you're right. We got to give them some time to figure out how to do it. First off, I mean, who does it in a 48 player shotgun?
2: Right. No, no, I no, mean,
5: it. We've never seen it before like that. Right. So, you know, I think the guys will figure it out. But it was quite exciting to see those guys
2: play. Uh, Sean Belegian also. Uh, hey, pal. How are you? Excellent. Nice to, nice to see you. Um, I just wish that these players would be honest with themselves and with us about what they're doing there. Right? Like, like Dustin Johnson is the only guy so far that I've at least been able to muster up any sort of respect for. Because he's like, look, I want to make the most money possible, and I don't want to play golf forever. And it just so happens that I'm really good at golf. And I want to make the most money I can playing the least amount of golf I can so I can do other things like that to me makes sense. And if that's the mindset of these guys, I'll take it. We heard a little bit of that from Lee Westwood a couple weeks ago, but for somebody like Phil Mickelson, who who basically torched every bridge he had before swallowing his pride and going out and, and siding with the, the really, whatever he said, bad MFers, <laughs> um, um, at least at least, have the decency not to lie to me. Like, don't go out there and tell me that you're going to change golf one stroke at a time. Don't go out there and tell me, well, this, this, the way we're going to do it is so revolutionary that we're going to do a lot of good. No, because the PGA Tour does a lot of good. And, and unfortunately for you, this is just about money because you got a $200 million check. So don't sugarcoat it. Don't lie to us. Just be honest. And I, I feel like we're getting a lot of lip service at this point.
3: I think that's a great way to put and, and Chris, I have zero, I cannot stress that enough. I have zero issue with a human being saying, this is what's best for me and my family. I, I seriously, I have zero issue with a human being doing that. It is amazing how many people want to tell so many people how they should live their lives or what they should do. It, 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 it blows my mind. Um, you go do what's best for you and your family, but let's remember that's what this is about. And uh, it's funny that you bring up Dustin Johnson, because I mean, there there was the quote even today where he was talking about, Hey, look, I don't want to play golf all the time. Mm -hmm. There are other things that I want to do. If I want to fish, I'll go fishing. If I want to play with my family, I'll play with my family. It's all going to be up to me. And it's like, well, isn't that, what life is all about. Mm-hmm. If you want to golf all the time, you can golf all the time. And so in that regard, I, Chris, I'll say this, and I'm intrigued to hear from Mike and, and Jordan and BC. This isn't going anyplace. We all better get nope. used to this. Mm-hmm. Nope. We all better get used to this. Yep.
2: No, and you know why? Because we have never seen a rival league, a, a, a rival to any of our our pro sports leagues that has the resources that this league has. You got it. This is bottomless. This is like uh, Arby's bottomless fries when the Wings score a hat trick. This <laughs> is, you've got endless amounts of money. And, and look, it, it's not going to stop at Bryson. It's not going to stop at Patrick Reed. More guys are going to come over. And I guess the wait and see factor is who jumps ship? Yep. Who, who else is coming? Because they're going to lure somebody else away they're going to lure a couple other guys away are they going to be in the top 10 rankings in the world golf rankings you know dustin johnson fell to 15 this week uh I, you know I, if, if you're going to tell me that the charles schwartzels of the of the world are going to win these tournaments i, I don't think enough people are going to be watching to justify it but that doesn't mean this league is going to this is none of this is predicated on viewership unfortunately uh real quick what do you guys get coming up tonight
3: uh, this is one of those weeks, Chris. We were just joking about it off the air. We wish we had about four hours. I yep. mean, there's so much going yep. on. Obviously, the, the U.S. Open, uh, we've got the Michigan Open. We're going to have a special guest on from the University of Michigan. And we're only seven weeks away from this beautiful tournament at this beautiful golf course.
2: Can't wait. Uh, spin on golf coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Uh, it's a wonderful, comprehensive show. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Fellas, nice talking with you. Have a nice show.
3: Take care, friend. Thank you.
2: Uh, All right, it's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Have yourself a wonderful week. we got a special Father's Day uh, edition of Sports Rep next week. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Have yourself a wonderful week. Talk to you then.